morning. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. Mark 6 verse 45. Mark 6 45. Tough love. This is a strange passage to read on the subject of tough love, but bear with me because you're going to see something you haven't seen before. Mark 6 verse 45, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. Who were the multitude? They were the multitude who just had a meal from five loaves and two fish. So he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Isn't it interesting that even Jesus needed to pray? You know, how, how much more do you and I need to set aside time and go to the mountain to pray? And it says, now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. Everyone say, I was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Man, that's out of it. Somebody walking on water. That's, that's crazy. I know we've heard it before. Jesus walked on water and we just go, oh yeah, that's Jesus. Now you've got to think about that. Come on, how many have ever tried to walk on water? How many have been successful? Anybody been successful? No. Here's Jesus coming to them in a storm, just walking on the water. He was walking on the water, and it says, and he would have passed them by. I reckon that's crazy as well. You know, walking on water, just, hey, how you doing? I see you straining, rowing. And it says, and he would have passed them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked to them and he said to them, be of good cheer. Somebody say, be of good cheer. Look your neighbor in the eye and say, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went, up to, he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they did not understand about the loaves, because their hearts, their heart was hardened. Now, now here we have a story. Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray. He just finished the, the feeding of the 5,000, well, actually about 15,000, because that's just 5,000 men. And he sends the disciples to go to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He needed some downtime with God. He, he needed some downtime with the Father. And, and it says about evening time, near dusk, he looks out from the mountaintop and he spots the disciples having a hard time crossing the sea. So what does he do? Does he go down and rescue them? No, that's not what happens. But that's what would happen if our children were in the middle of the sea, if they were in a dinghy rowing, we would run to their rescue because we love them, right? We love our children. 
And rescuing is a loving thing to do. Is it? I I want a chance to say, not in every situation. Yeah, I I, I went to university many years ago and I was in the early days of computers and uh, we had to learn to type our assignments. Now, we didn't type at high school because we didn't have computers. We had to write. How many remember writing all their assignments? Come on, yeah, there are some people who have been around. Yeah, write all the assignments, but it was just crossing over from uh, writing assignments to actually typing them out. And uh, there came a point where we crossed over. We had to type them. Now, now, many of the guys in our class weren't good at typing, and so they actually gave us some typing lessons. Uh, one guy said, well, I don't need to learn that because I've got a girlfriend, and my girlfriend types. <laughs> so he, he thought he had it sorted. And, and to a degree, he did, because his girlfriend would always come in and rescue him and type out his assignments for him. Now, now, that was good for the first two years, but how many know as you go on in your degree, the assignments get longer? They, they don't get shorter, they, they get longer. What happens in his third year is his girlfriend breaks up with him. And, and the assignments have got longer. And it was so funny seeing him in the computer room trying to type out his assignment with two fingers. If only he had learned earlier. Yeah, if his girlfriend didn't rescue him, maybe he wouldn't find himself in the predicament he's in. See, the question we've got to ask ourselves sometimes is, is our helping helping? Is our helping helping? Is you helping your kids, your spouse, your friend helping? See, I'm going to show you something from this passage that you might have missed. Because there's some key details in the story that are often overlooked. But when you look at them, they're almost outrageous. Yeah, you did that? Yeah, first of all, when did Jesus first notice that the disciples were struggling? It was in the evening. In the evening time. When did Jesus go on the water to them? It says it was in the the fourth watch of the night. That's around about 3 a.m. What were they doing? They were... Now, 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 here's the thing. Evening, maybe the sunset late in Israel. You know, 10 o'clock would be pretty late, wouldn't it? 10 o'clock to to 3 a.m. in the morning. that's, That's five hours. How many know that's a long time? Uh, come on, I struggle to row for 10 minutes on a rowing machine. Uh, but that's a long time. Come on, don't look at me like you're any different. You know, uh, that's a long time rowing, straining, and not making much ground. There's a lot of hours between evening and 3 a.m. However, from his vantage point, because remember, where is he? He's up the mountain. He could see how far they've gone, and he could see how far they're yet to go. He, he could see the overall picture. He could see the weather conditions. See, see you can only see that up the mountain. You, you can only see that from a God's eye, point of view. 
Now, so often in life, we're looking at the things just right in front of us that we can't see uh, the wood from the trees. Uh, we, we can't see things as they really are, and we get lost. That's why it's so important that we go up the mountain, now, up the mountain on a Monday to see how our week should look like. Up the mountain on a Tuesday. Up the mountain on a Wednesday. Not just on a Sunday. You know, I'm praying this morning that some of us would climb up the mountain and would see our situation and circumstances, not from a human point of view, but from a God point of view, from God's perspective, because it's there we see things. See, mountains have a way of taking us out of our own little world and help us see the much larger picture around us. Yeah. The first is, you know, we're going to see things from the mountaintop. See, it's on the mountaintop we find the ability to love others. You know, I've found some people, though, you know, they're always up the mountaintop. They're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly value. Uh, one thing I've found about the mountaintop is when you're up the mountaintop, you get strategy as to how to live your life when you're in the middle of a storm. See, there's got to be a connection between what happens here and what happens down here. See, many people, there's a disconnect. You know, I go to church, but it doesn't relate to my everyday life. I pray that it would be a church that touches heaven and changes earth. Ah, come on, I don't want to preach to you something on Sunday that doesn't work on Monday. Come on, we've got to have something where we can touch heaven and we can change earth. It relates to our world. Come on, you might be going through a storm right now. God's got answers for you. He's got a strategy for you. If you just see it from His point of view. He saw what they were going through. He saw them toiling and they're rowing. Now, God right now, I want to say he sees your struggle, and he's compassionate. Compassion is your pain in my heart. That's what compassion is. It's your pain in my heart. And when you go to the mountaintop, God puts a compassion in you for the people around you. See, so many of us can live selfish lives. And think about me, my, and I. But when you get in touch with God, God puts a compassion and a love for others that you can get no other way. Fulfillment in life does not come from living a life for yourself. We're born and created to love one another, to, 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 to come alongside one another. Now, this world's self by nature. We're selfish by nature. That's why we need to go to the mountaintop, because it's on the mountain we get a love and we get a vision for other people. See, if you get close to God, a little a bit of Him will rub off on you, and, and you'll start to care about others. You'll care about others in your world. See, when Jesus was alone with God, He got a vision of the difficulty and the trouble that the apostles were in on their journey. Now, I, I really believe some of us live selfish lives simply because we aren't close to God. Wow. See, you, you can't love God and hate your brother. Now, when you love God, 
the, the, the test, the knowing of that is, is your love others. You want to extend out to others. God t- can't touch your heart without getting it through your hand. You know, the, the heart and the hand relate. And my concern is, in a lot of places, is that there's many people who come to church for them. But I really believe we should come to church, not just for answers for ourselves, but for answers for others in Jesus' name. See, Jesus gets in his prayer closet, and the only thing God wants to tell him is, or make him aware of, is those who are in need. Those who are straining, rowing, I think that's significant. I wonder how many here could relate to, to straining and rowing. It's like you feel like you're in a 10-minute row and you're at the five-minute mark. I mean, no. That, that's the point where you go, maybe I'll just row for seven. Come on, be there. God sees your struggle. Some of you are in the middle of a fight right now. I want to say, firstly, number one, I pray that God would open our eyes to the pain of others. Secondly, I I pray that God would help us see uh, not just the suffering of others, but show us actually the cause of the suffering. Question I want to ask again this morning is, is our helping helping? Is our helping helping? Now, here's where many people make a critical mistake and mistake in their helping. Because a lot of people in the world just offer surface answers. But it's only God who sees the true cause. Now, notice, just notice in this passage, Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and cross to the other side. It wasn't their idea. It was Jesus' idea. Get in the boat, go to the other side. Don't let anybody tell you that being in the will of God will never get you in any trouble. Sometimes obedience will bring storms to your life. Some of you right now, you're feeling condemned because you don't know what's going on. You can't make up from down and it's like, you're hazy, but you need to trust in Jesus in that time. They were just doing what God, what Jesus had told them to do. And they encountered a storm. Get this. They encountered a storm in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night. But here's the deal. As big as the situation was, the situation wasn't their problem. The waves weren't their problem. Because how many know boats are designed to float? Boats are designed, a good boat, (laughs) is designed to float. And as long as the situation on the outside doesn't get on the inside, it may not be smooth sailing, but you're going to be all right. You're going to get to your destination. Boats only sink when the situation on the outside gets on the inside. Yeah, here's the problem. Many of us go through storms and we think the situation is our problem. We blame other people. We blame God. We look at this and we let the storm get on the inside. 
but here's the deal. When you got God in the vessel, you can smile at any storm that comes your way. Come on, do I get an amen this morning? You can smile. Yeah, but you, you, you see some people, they allow the storm to get on the inside. Uh, how do you know when the storm's gone on the inside? You listen to some people in their conversations. Because it always comes out of their mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, they start speaking and it's like, yeah, the storm's in them. Attitudes. You know, just, just the way they act. Storm. Yeah, you know, um, how many know found in life, especially as a parent, sometimes it's easier to do something for somebody than to teach them and help them do it for themselves. Yeah, uh, clean your room. Yeah, sometimes it's easier to go in and just clean their room than actually leave it messy. How many get frustrated with messy rooms? Yeah, you know, frustrated with messy rooms. And, 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 you know, sometimes it's like they don't do it, they don't listen. And, oh, what the heck, I'll just go clean it for them. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's easier to do something for somebody than to teach them to do it for themselves. Yeah. And, and it's nice sometimes because it's then you feel needed. Uh, it, it feels good to be liked. Uh, but the question is, again, is my... Oh, some of you are getting there. Hey, come on. The question today is, is, is my helping helping? Because what if you stopped helping? Or, or what if you weren't around to help? You know, what happens then? Jesus delayed perhaps because... He wanted them to grow. He wanted them to grow in faith. Maybe he figured out, oh, I'm not going to be around that long. And they're going to face storms when I'm not around. And if they don't learn to overcome it, will they ever be able to overcome it? Yeah, it's tough to watch somebody straining. It's tough to watch somebody struggling. Compassion, again, is your pain in my heart. But sometimes our greatest help is not to help. Verse 48, it says, Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. So it was against them. It was the fourth watch of the night, 3 a.m. He came to them walking on the sea. So here's our answer. But listen to this. And he would have passed them by. What are you doing, Jesus? You've seen the problem. Surely you'd go directly to the need. Surely you'd bring an answer. How many have felt like in some of their situations and circumstances, you're desperate and God's just walked by? Yeah, how many have felt like that before? It's like, hey, I'm in the vicinity, I'm in church, yeah, I've got to need Jesus, got to need, and Jesus just goes, hey. <laughs> and you go, what are you doing? Jesus. Jesus would have passed by. Why? That doesn't make sense. Why would he have not stopped to help? Because he understood the difference between the immediate need. 
See, the immediate need was dealing with the storm that was harassing them. But the long-term need was that Jesus would not always physically be with them. And they needed to learn to deal things with their own faith. Jesus knew he wasn't supposed to fight all their battles. That's why we see verse 52. It sneaks in at the end. Mark puts it there. He says, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Jesus just done a miracle. Five loaves, two fish, fed a multitude. But they didn't learn from that. They experienced God move, do something great in their life. But they didn't take anything out of that and apply it to their future. See, any miracle God does in your life, it's not just for that moment. It's so that you can extract, you need to extract the nutrients out of that miracle because there's something in every miracle that's for your future. That's why it's so important that we learn to testify. Otherwise, our hearts are in danger of being hardened. And we find ourselves in a different place in a new set of circumstances with the same mentality. God's priority is our heart. Is your heart. I'm known today's world is easy to be an enabler. I'll get that out. An enabler. I've got a definition of what an enabler is. This is what an enabler is. It's, it's a common thing in today's world. An enabler is someone who enables another to persist in self-destructive behavior by providing excuses or by making it possible to avoid the consequences of such behavior. That's what an enabler is. Yes, Jesus does come to our rescue. That's good news. He comes to our rescue. But one thing I found about God is He will never build a support system around our dysfunction. God will never build a support system around our dysfunction. And if He just kept on rescuing us, He's going to support us in our dysfunction rather than help us grow. This is where tough love comes in. Come on, who's in need of some tough love this morning? Because some of you, you've been coming to church, you've experienced God's miraculous power, but you still think the same as you did before you got the miracle, before God came to your rescue. And you're wondering why God's distant right now. It's because God wants you to grow. You know, for too long, people have been dependent on other people. It's amazing how many people are dependent on a Sunday sermon for their feed. Rather than being self-feeders. Come on, the kingdom is not going to expand if we're relying on a message on a Sunday morning. We need to dig into the Word of God for ourselves. Come on, we need to get a word for our situation and our circumstance. And we need to bring faith into the environments that we find ourselves in on a daily basis. 
See, Jesus understood the real problem wasn't the storm, it wasn't the wind, it wasn't the hardship, it wasn't the struggle of rowing in such conditions. The the real problem was that they hadn't learned to stand on their own faith. Sure, he could stop the storm, but it's not God's intention to do everything for us. God's intention is that he would anoint us, empower us with his Holy Spirit so that you and I could do the things that he did. (laughs) Come on, this this is nothing more than Parenting 101. Uh, uh, Right here, right now. You know, if toddlers scared of the dark, you can comfort, console, but there comes a day where you have to let them face the darkness. If you don't, you're going to be sleeping with them until you're 20. See, uh, here, here, you can dress your two-year-old, but if you're still dressing your 15-year-old, the two of you need counseling. <laughs> need some serious counseling. <laughs> I, I'm saying, you know, when it comes to some Christians, you're reliant, you're too reliant. And in some ways, the church over the years has been an enabler, and, and it's enabled, it's supported you in your dysfunction. You're going to be a self-feeder. See, what I found about tough love is tough love changes you. See, I'm grateful for the people in my life who have loved me too much to allow me to act in a rebellious way. I remember, age of 15, I liked arguing. I liked winning arguments. I was good at arguing. You know, one time I was arguing with my dad, and he slapped me across the face. Yes, he did that. He slapped me across the face and he he said, Sam, you're right, but you're wrong. That took me back. See, my my thing was about winning the argument, but the thing is, I had a wrong attitude. I was was right, but I was wrong. Now, that slap still lives with me today. I can feel it on my cheek. I'm thankful for people who love me too much that allowed me to live, didn't allow me to live with the wrong attitude, didn't allow me to go down the wrong path. I'm thankful for some slaps across the face. See, slaps save marriages. Now, now I'm talking not literal, (laughs) figuratively, just saying. Don't support domestic abuse, you know, I'm not there, you know. Uh, but, but slabs keep you out of debt. They keep you out of debt. They keep you healthy. Some of you went to the doctor. You got a slap across the face. You were shocked. You had to change your lifestyle. That's tough love. Tough love changes you. Tough love causes you to be influential and effective. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 27, it says, faithful. Somebody say Faithful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah, they hurt, but they're faithful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Yeah, in a world today, we've got so many enablers. And we've got so many people, oh, it's all right, dear, it's all right. But those kisses are deceitful. It's like, it's like here, you know, sometimes love is not a cuddle, it's a slap. Sometimes it's not. 
It's not, you're all right. They don't understand. The waves are high. <laughs> See, I, I learned early on, if, if something, this is something I wrote in my journal many years ago. It, it says, if, I, I wrote down, if something doesn't have the power to offend me, it doesn't have the power to change me. Uh, come on, how many want to be changed? Uh, uh, oh, not many. How many want to stay where you are? Come on, how many want to move forward? I need to see some hands right now. And sometimes we need somebody to come into our world and say, hey, wake up. Your attitude, how you're living, it's not good. Come on, you, you, you're dependent on others. Some of you got people in your world who enable your dysfunction who sympathize with you in your dysfunction. But until you call it what it is, you're never gonna move forward. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Gonna read eight verses here. It's it's a lot, but this will change your life. Uh, uh, Hebrews 12 verse five, New Living Translation. And it says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as children? So these encourage them. My child, Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. This is encouraging words, by the way. He said that. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. How many are loved by God? You know you love when you're disciplined. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? Well, I have in today's world. You know, how far have we gone? If your child doesn't discipline you, if, no, if God doesn't, yeah, child, just testing him and you're awake, yeah, cool. If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all all his children, it means that you're illegitimate. And you're not really his children at all. Yeah, there's a lot of wows in this, eh? Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of our father, of the father of our spirits and live forever? In other words, this is so much of more consequence than, than, than learning how to do the dishes, uh, than, than learning how to manage a bank account. Uh, our, our Heavenly Father disciplines us with, with our spirits and eternity in view. Verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable. While it's happening, it's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Verse 12, so take a new grip. Everyone say, take a new grip. 
take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but will become strong. Man, what a passage of Scripture that is. Man, we need to read that a whole lot more in our PC, absent parent world. Because many people don't interpret discipline as love. They don't interpret it. You're hurting me. Yeah, discipline is painful, but it's potent. And you've got to understand, when God disciplines you, He's doing it for you, that you would grow in faith, that you would grow in maturity. So you've got to understand, pain is your friend. Sam Chan's just released an e-group series, Leadership Pain. I really encourage you, your e-group to go through it. He talks about how pain is a servant. Pain tells you that something is wrong. In the Bible times, leprosy was, was prevalent. And leprosy is like you couldn't feel your nerves. You, you don't feel pain. So you could have your hand on a hot element and you, you wouldn't feel pain. Pain tells you, it tells you to get, remove your hand. Otherwise, you're going to be left with no hand. Now, we live in this world where, where it's leprous and it's numb. But what we've, we've got to understand is pain is a servant. Everybody experiences pain. Discipline is painful. Tough love can be painful, but tough love is potent. And we need people who love one another enough to actually say, I'm not going to let you go down a path to destruction. I'm going to speak up. Yeah, you may hate me for it, but I love you too much to leave it alone. See, in a loving relationship, just two things to finish. Number one is truth telling is more important than peacekeeping. Truth telling is more important than peacekeeping. Uh, we like honesty. How many like honesty here? We like honesty. It's an attractive quality. And there's nothing worse than being lied to. How many know when Jesus walked the face of this planet, he said some very upsetting things. Some things that were hard to stomach. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He said stuff like, you know, if you, eat, you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Who can understand that? As we know, there was more to it. But at the time, those words were offensive. In fact, at that time, many said, well, we're no longer going to be your disciples. Jesus, he would often speak the truth in love to, to the religious leaders of the day. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. Now, he spoke the truth, but it was love and behind it. You know, some people say, well, I'm just speaking the truth in love. If you have to say it in love, I'm just saying love is felt. You shouldn't have to say, I'm just speaking the truth in love. Yeah, love is something that's felt in a relationship. But here's the thing. Lying causes damage. Damage is done when we always lie. Oh, it would be best that they never knew. Jesus spoke the way he did because he had an overwhelming concern for the people he was addressing. How many know problems don't solve themselves? 
You've never procrastinated your way out of a problem. Problems don't solve themselves. Uh, you know, some people you go, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. Now, in other words, I just don't want to make a scene. And, and what we choose in a lot of places is we choose peacekeeping over truth telling. And, and you can think you're being noble, noble by, by keeping the peace. But when you do that, you choose peacekeeping over truth telling. You've made a bad choice. Because what you're doing is you're undermining the integrity of the relationship. Well, you've got to understand in a relationship, honesty is the highest form of intimacy. That you can be open and you can be honest with the person, where you're at, what you've done. (laughs) Honesty is the highest form of intimacy. One person once said, honesty is an expensive gift. Don't expect it from cheap people. It's an expensive gift. Now at Equipus here, we have this this value where we say nothing goes under the carpet. We we don't just sweep things under the carpet and pretend they aren't there. Because if you do that over time, there's gonna be a bulge underneath the carpet. And it's gonna manifest. And it'll be bigger than if you dealt with it straight away. So we say, we, are, we don't sweep things under the carpet. Hey, if we have a disagreement, let's talk about it. Let's open it up. Let, let, let's argue. Let's even have an argument. But let's not do it with plates flying across the room or jandals or any of the other things. Let's, let's do it in Christian love and let's do it in grace and let's work it out. Proverbs 28 says, 23, in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. You know, I reckon a lot of times, oh man, you're awesome, awesome. And go, oh man, they got some issues, man. But people appreciate honesty. They don't want flattery. Notice Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not, it's not the peacekeepers. There's a difference between keeping the peace. It's just, oh, let's calm it down. No, it's peaceful. Oh. It's, like, it's a difference. But, but it's ignoring the issue. Tough love says, hey, we've got to get out the infection before we can have peace. We've got to deal with the issue. We've got to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Come on, some of you right now, you've got surface relationships because you just want to keep the peace. But you only go to a new level of intimacy through truth telling rather than peacekeeping. Second thing about Loving relationship is the well-being of our other person is more important than my personal comfort. I, I, I want to say this. Peace at any price, Bill Heibel says this. Peace at any price is a form of deception that comes from the pit of hell. Peace at any price is a form of deception that comes from the pit of hell. So many, oh, don't bring it up. 
Uh, if you go there, he, he won't listen. She won't take it on board. If you do that, it, it will blow up in your face. Don't get me wrong. These strategies as to how you approach somebody. There's ways of go, about going, but you don't just sit there. Well, if you go there, it'll cause too much hurt. It's not worth it. Come on, we're going to walk with integrity and honesty. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light, in other words, nothing is hidden. We're called to walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. Now that's beyond any ordinary relationship. Fellowship is deeper. See, when you operate by peacekeeping, you're only related to surface. But when you work through some issues and you walk through some crap, you go to a deeper level. And then when you bring it to the light, it's there you have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Come on, in some places we need to say, I love you too much for you to go down that road. I love you too much, not for you to hear the gospel. Come on, some of us, we don't love our friends enough that we don't even consider inviting them to church. But I don't know about you, but I can't live with some people in my world going to a Christless eternity. I've got to do everything that I can. I may say, oh man, you're an awesome person, good guy, nice career. But here's the deal. If you don't have Jesus, you're stuffed. There's no hope without Jesus. And that's why I've got to go to them. And I've got to come here. It's your decision what you do. But you need to hear the gospel. You need to hear it. You need to hear us. See, some of us right now, we need to go to the mountaintop and get a vision for our city, a vision of the people who don't know Jesus. Yeah, we're a growing church. Some people call us large. I don't think we're large because I don't compare the size of our church to other churches. We're not called to do that. We're called to look at the need in our city. And right now there's a massive need in our city. That's why we've got to extend our borders. That's why we've got to go into the victory. That's why we've got to create space so people can hear the good news of Jesus. I love too, people too much for them not to have an opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? Come on, God wants to rescue Yeah, He'll come and rescue you. Yeah, that's what He did in the end in the story. It says immediately, when they cried out, He responded. Yeah, God wants to grow you. But there are times where the fear gets so deep into your heart that you're paralyzed. And that's when you need God to come into your situation. Yeah, that will happen. God will do that. What parent wouldn't do that? What, what parent would let their kid drown? Oh man, they need to lean, learn that lesson. They need to figure it out for themselves. That, nah, God will rescue you. But more importantly, He wants to grow you. I believe when we understand what love is, we get conformed into His image. Come on, some of us, 
We've been relying on somebody else's faith. Word of God this morning to you is get your own. Come on, you need to dig deep. Some of you are in a storm, but I want to declare he who is in you is greater than that. This is how-